Hello and welcome to another edition of the Scarlet Nation podcast for Bobby Dunn. I'm here for the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, we have a, a big news today. We had to jump on and talk about it. Sean Gleason fired, uh, relieved of his duties, whatever you want to call it, from Rutgers offensive coordinator position. This comes on the heels of a 14-13 loss to Nebraska in which Rutgers led 13-0 and, and kind of uh, the offense went into hiding for the second half and, you know, Rutgers missed a golden opportunity to win a game at home going into the bye week. So to help sort this out, I have the one and only demand the myth, Sean Brown here to, to, to kind of make sense of this. Sean, um, you, you know, let's jump right into it. You heard the news. What was your reaction? Um, you know, I, you know, I don't know if it's coincidence, right? Um, Cause obviously art was in the program. Art Sikowski, when um, Shiano and Gleason uh, came on board, Art's a guy they recruited. They, they wanted to keep him on, um, weren't able to to develop him like they like. But then Art's going to Illinois. He's he's been the backup, but they they had the big win over Penn State last year. He didn't ask him to do much. He just did the minimum, right? And then they upset Illinois, they upset Iowa. What was it? Nine six yesterday. Um, nine six, yes. Yeah, you know Tommy DeVito, another Jersey guy. The starter there got hurt. Uh, Art came in. The stat line wasn't great. I think he was like 13 for 19 for, for 74 yards. But mm-hmm. you look at Iowa, they, they're um, – or Illinois is built very similar to, I think, what Shiano wants Rutgers to be. Um, you know, strong defense, lean on the run game, have the quarterbacks make make a pass when needed to, to keep defenses honest. And I, I watched some of the clips of that game, and Art – Art almost gave it away. Now they were. They were yeah, I, I know that that, that uh, the Twitterverse wasn't very happy with Art. <laughs> yeah, Art, Art almost gave it away, uh, but he made some some timely passes for the final fighting Illini to to you know keep the chains moving. And you know when you look at Rutgers this year, um, but they they obviously could have beaten Nebraska if they had a little bit more output offensively. Uh, Iowa was was right for the pick, and also you know you you look at the the turnovers and and how they turn that into points, you know not not ideal, but but still uh, Iowa as good as that defense was 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 right for the picking um, you know two weeks ago or so, and if they just had some some better quarterback play, they they should have beat Nebraska for sure, and and maybe that's a different outcome with Iowa. And you're looking at a completely different out, outcome for the season. So right, and you know I think the thing with um you know, these games, Nebraska and Iowa, the game was there to win and you didn't need a 300 yard performance. You you needed these guys to the quarterback to just manage the situation, make a couple plays, extend some drives and not turn the ball over. And that's exactly what happened. And I think you really saw the, you know, Shiano's frustration, obviously in the, in the firing of Gleason with the lack of development in the quarterbacks. And, and, you know, if you had an, an even capable one, like you'd mentioned, Art was able to lead them to a win. I, I don't think, he, you know, I didn't watch the game, but I saw, you know, some of the numbers were, were Art-esque at one point. He had like 10 completions for 16 yards, but, but they won, right? That's yeah. all that matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. The stat line at the end of the day, um, you know, it doesn't matter how much the quarterback threw from how little. It, what did they do to get them that victory? And Rutgers hasn't been able to get that done. And, um, you know, we were talking about this uh, Saturday and, you know, this, you know, Sean Gleason could be gone. I, I didn't know it was going to be this soon, Sean. Um, you know, midseason into the bye week. Does it surprise you that Greg pulled the trigger so quickly? Yeah, it, it's, it's just, I mean, like you mentioned, they were. A little bit of rumblings below the surface, um, you know, we were starting to hear uh, wasn't substantial enough as we thought 
to to run with anything. Uh, but obviously things things change quickly. Uh, and you know, I, I was just thinking about it. You know, with with the way uh, Shiano's handled personnel changes, um, he's usually you know he'll let the other guy get another job. Like the way it's done, even if you know, in terms of of actual wording, if if a, a coach is let go, it be it's never as as clear cut um, as this one was. Uh, um, um, you know, to my recollection, correct me if I'm wrong. Mid year during bye week. Highest profile hire on the staff. Uh, I mean, obviously, did use firing in, in the wording in the statement, but it's mm-hmm. it's it's clear as day. It was it was not a mutual decision that the the feeling was that a change needed to be made at, at that role. Um, so it's it's a very aggressive maneuver. What we're seeing nowadays in in, in college football as well, uh, with all the outrage with with Paul Chris getting fired a, a week or so ago, so that you know. Uh, Greg's getting in front of it early. Um, Nunzio does have that experience from when he was the interim head coach and, and the play caller when when Ash was fired. Um, you know he's known as an offensive mastermind in his own right as well. So it'll it'll be interesting on on where the offense goes from this point. Actually, you know when we start hearing rumblings, I started thinking to myself, does does he go with with Andy Overage only because Overage was the the gentleman who followed Gleason at Princeton. You know same offensive system knows it well, but uh, they they went with Nunzio instead. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this works out. Yeah, you know, and um, I'm not totally surprised because Greg is big on accountability. Um, you know, he holds the coaches to a high standard. And uh, the last, you know, it seemed like the, the Gleason was, was uh, you know, going backwards. And, and you could kind of see sometimes on the sidelines when he wasn't, you know, when something wasn't clicking, it almost looked like Gleason was a nervous kid, you know, like he knew yeah. like he was he was skating on thin ice. And, um, you know, I've, I've been very critical of Sean Gleason as well. You know, year three, he's making the kind of money he is. Um, your fans just want results, you know, and it's just uh, it comes down to this is a performance based business. And you look at his performance and it's been bad. I mean, the, the passing game is, uh, you know, I got to look up the number after yesterday's game, but it's it's one of the worst in, in, in uh, you know, Division One is probably, the, I, you know, in the Big Ten. I, I can't see any uh, passing offense. that's less productive with the exception of Iowa. But Iowa still manages to, you know, win some games. Um, it's My just uh, Illinois, too, you know, so Illinois. Yes, yes. And, and uh <laughs> But Illinois is five and one. Um, yes, that, you know, that's what matters, right? And at the end of the day, in the win column, if you're uh, like I was looking at um, Ferentz, um, our, our guy David at the Iowa site, and questioned him about that offensive total, and Ferentz like, hey, but we we won ten games last year, so mm-hmm. if we're gonna win ten games, and we're only rushing for ten, you know, producing ten yards total offense. I don't care. Uh, so at the end of the day, like you said, what it looks like in the win and loss column is is, is the biggest deciding factor for sure. And I think it's important to note that, too, because, you know, Rutgers is three and three right now. But you take away the Shaquan Loyal pick six at Temple. Do they win that game? Because the offense didn't score a point. And that's Temple. I mean, nothing against Temple. But, you know, it's not a team that's going to be in a college football playoff. Um, So you you take away that play. You, you. do you lose that game? And then at BC, I mean, you needed a late drive to go 96 yards on the strength of basically the Rutgers offensive linemen and running backs outplaying BC. I mean, they were in better condition. BC was, you know, hands on their hips and, and Rutgers took advantage. So was it Deshaun Gleason mastermind on that drive or was it the Jay Butler offseason training program that won them that that game there? So you take that drive away, you take that Shaquan Loyal way play away. Are they one and five? I mean, you know, this offense has not done enough to, to support, 
you know, Rutgers uh, really making a making a drive for for the road to bowl eligibility. Now, good news, Sean, you got six games left, so it'll be interesting to see. But um, you know, I think you know before we get on to what to expect and everything, I think it's just important to say, you know, the, the Sean Gleason era just never lived up to the hype. Um, when he came in, there was a lot of buzz. I mean, did did you? I mean, you know, he's a local guy, had that Princeton offense humming, did a year at Oklahoma State. Did you expect right away the results to be much? better I mean obviously probably did but from what you know of him you know um it, it's, it's interesting right because obviously being at at Princeton uh under Bob Sarace who's known as, as an offensive guy um Mike Gundy there's the discussion of that it, it was Gundy's system you know <laughs> bringing Gleason bringing in his own you know flavor onto it but that that was an established system to now going to Rutgers um, he's he's the top offensive guy, you know. So, I mean, there's no one else to to lean on. He he's the decision maker uh, at that point in time, right? Uh, mm-hmm. He's working under a defensive head coach. So, you know, maybe maybe there was more help from up top at the previous jobs. Um, maybe with the greater responsibility. Obviously, there is a a, a deficit in the talent at Rutgers. In uh, that that first year, that pandemic year, just in general, the Rutgers program did a great job, I think, of being better prepared. Than a lot of other teams in, in the Big Ten that year, uh, and it showed just with that job they did uh, with the record, uh, obviously getting getting Gleason that promotion as well. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was a shocker, like you said, just because of, of the hype he he came in with. You know, really really well regarded guy. Um, you know, I only get a chance to really see him in, in the camp setting, uh, but he seemed to know what he was talking about. Seemed to you know, be engaging. You know, know how to how to go about things, know how to coach, was a college quarterback himself, a successful high school quarterback, so knew the position. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's, you know, for whatever reason, it just didn't work out the Big Ten for him. Yeah, and, you know, now moving forward, um, <laughs> there's a lot of names that you could talk about. Um, mid-season, though, you have a lot of guys under contract that are at different schools. So um, I guess – you just go through the season with nuns and, and start looking at guys. I mean, it, does anybody hit your, your brain off the top of your head to say, well, this is a, a prime candidate. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. This is uh cause a lot of the, the usual suspects that we always hear about, um, you know, when we've had the, the coaching searches are at new places and seem to be doing well. There was a, a, a thread started by the third night on, on the original roundtable board uh, talking about Phil Longo. Obviously, he's a name that comes up uh, because of the success he's had. But also, he's a, he's a Jersey native. He's done at all levels, you know, from high school level, Division three. Now has worked himself to, to North Carolina. And he I think he makes if he doesn't make a million, he makes close to a million right now. But mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's a tough pull. Unless unless Rutgers overpays or he just really wants to get close to home. You know, he has a, a Drake May. I think if Drake wasn't a five star, he was close to being a five star local quarterback that started there. He's doing a great job. Uh, UNC's recruited really well under Mac Brown as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. he's, he's in a good place that, you know, with a lot of talent there. The, the ACC in general is just more ripe for the picking versus the big 10 from a success perspective. So uh, I, you know, unless there's some other reasons outside of football, I, I feel it might be tough for, uh, for Shion to go and, and to get him And it. You know, it'd be interesting. We're going to start, you know, digging real hard and, and seeing what names pop up. But, uh, you know, uh, I think getting a guy who's considered a, a quarterback expert, a quarterback guru, uh, there's, there's so much talk on our board about, Hey, why does the Rutgers have a sole quarterback coach? I mean, that that's not the reason. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Look at a lot of the top programs around the country, just in general. Uh, a lot of these OCs are also quarterback coaches. Um, so that that's not the reason at all. There, there's been success many times. Um, and, you know, Rutgers has other guys that work with the quarterbacks outside of Gleason. So it's not saying that he's hold up or he was held up in the office not work with the quarterbacks that that wasn't the fact but those guys were not developing to uh Shiana's liking hence why there, there's a change at this point in time so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this this uh job shakes out i think that it'll be attractive for candidates because they have a really talented uh offensive line class coming in uh you know got some guys that'll be here next year in the current class you see that they were able to they paid up to one million dollars for gleason uh they might be able to get more uh, in this climate with the, just the inflation of the position, uh, you know that there is stability with, with Greg Schiano uh, at the position of the head coach there. Uh, it's a Big Ten job, which there are not many of those. Um, mm-hmm. a, a very talented region. And another thing to look at is that, look at the quarterback room, there's no 2023 quarterback in the class. So whoever, whoever comes in, they might be able to pick their guy, their recruit, uh, in that class, and then they're they're in now with a with a plethora of 2024 guys as well. And you got Gavin Wimsett waiting in the wings, uh, just uh, uh, just a, a ball of clay that needs to be worked with. So there there's there's potential, uh, and I think this could be an attractive position for for coaches out there. Yeah, and you know I'm glad you mentioned Wimsett. Like you know there there was a lot of hype coming in, a lot of excitement about him, and I know he's going to take a little time to develop, but. You know, I go back to the play he got hurt on, Sean. He just takes the ball and runs up the middle on a third and ten against Temple. And, and you know, it, I just thought it was a terrible play call. And not to mention, you get him hurt on that play. I mean, was 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 Wimsett really going to get ten yards on third and ten up the middle running like a fullback? I mean, that's a Johnny Langan play. But Johnny Langan's built like, you know, he's a bigger guy. And, and he, he has that, let me go up th- and, and try and punish the defense. Not saying that Gavin's not, but... You know, I'd rather see the kid rolling out and, you know, maybe be able to throw on the run or, or do something creative. Let the kid use his feet, not just try to run like a fullback. And, um, you know, that play, I think, deserves a, a lot of a lot of scrutiny uh, or a lot of criti- criticism. I'm sorry, not scrutiny. Um, you know, just because the the context of it and what happened and you, you got, you know, the, the, the four star, you know, best recruit, highest rated recruit that Rutgers has had in a, more than a decade at quarterback. And he's in a boot because of that play. I, I just, you know, I, I think that's that's something that that's that really doesn't sit well with me. You know, it's it's interesting. Coincidentally, uh, we talked about Wisconsin and, and Brett Bielema beating Wisconsin and then Chris getting fired. Uh, you know, another interesting name that they could look at, because I think he'll be available when Nebraska hires a head coach, could be Mark Whipple, um, you know, formerly at Pittsburgh. You know, he has a, a first round quarterback to his name in Kenny Pickett, uh, the uh, Belitnikoff Award winner who left um, the receiver that said, um, uh, I forgot his name, but uh, Addison, uh, Jordan Addison, that's now at USC uh, under his offense. I, I know that there it's funny seeing Pat Narduzzi, um, even with Whipple producing that offense, leading that. He he didn't have great things to say about him because he wanted Whipple to run the ball more. And obviously, Shiano's a coach that likes to establish that run game. But you you saw with when the pieces are in place just how explosive that Nebraska offense can be. And Whipple's a local guy. I think he was born in Westchester County. Uh, most of his coaching experience has been on the East Coast. So he, he could be an interesting name, uh, a guy that has been a head coach for multiple years that you can trust to be the head coach of your offense. Uh, so that 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 – that would be interesting if he ends up um, wearing a different color or a different shade of scarlet or red next year, for sure. 
And you know he was a quarterback coach in the NFL too, Sean, yep, with yep. The, with the Browns and the Steelers, and, and and that's a really interesting name we're going to monitor and and, and see what happens. And and uh, I mean, and, and you know, it's all contingent too upon what what happens out in, in uh, Nebraska if they keep winning with Mickey Joseph. Does he keep him around? You know, um, there, there's so many what ifs now that, that it, there's going to be a lot of speculation, uh, good speculation though over the next you know coming weeks. And um, I think it's important too to go back to the current, you have Nunzio Campanelli, a little deja vu. I mean, he's not the head coach now, but he was thrown in as the OC when Chris Ash was fired um, four games into the 2019 season, tried to reinvent the offense with Johnny Langham running it. And, it, you know, it didn't go very well, but um, I don't think we'll see that same thing again. But, um, you know him pretty well from being up north playing with the whole Campanelli's in, in high school. And um, what, what what can we expect? I mean, the same thing, it probably run Greg's system, but um, do, do you see him trying to be creative and make and, and treating this as kind of a job audition uh, himself? No, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, it, this is a chance. I mean, that, that family itself is, is very tight-knit. Anthony's the only one that's really left the web being in Miami now after the Dolphins and linebacker coach. But all those guys have stayed in New Jersey for the most part in, in their coaching careers, and they, they could have had jobs elsewhere. I think if they really wanted to climb the coaching ladder, they could have done that and, and had, you know, greater careers uh, than what they've had at the respective high school and college level. Uh, Nunzio's known as a, as a very bright Offensive mind, his, his specialty was quarterbacks, uh, you know, coming to Rutgers, but coaching running backs and, and coaching tight ends. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure he'll want to do what Greg asks, but he also has that flavor to be creative. I see some some fans clamoring for more of the screen game, and, and that is uh, the, the Kevin Nelly specialty as well. I, I feel like you'll probably see more screens incorporated in the offense as well. And just with what Bergen Catholic, Catholic was before he took the head job uh, to what they are now, granted, this is high school. But Nunzio was working with with less talent versus their competition and still producing very prolific offenses at that level. And like you said, with with the Langan offense um, after Ash got fired, you know, putting together, you know, a decent product on the field and being respectable and, and keep, keeping games close. So it, it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm sure he'll put his little flavor on it. But I, I think that, you know, your strength of the team right now. You hope that this offensive line starts to gel, uh, be more productive. Um, you know, Sam Brown is, is really emerging. He's probably the most popular name on our message board right now. Uh, fans want to see him get more carries, but he's he's adapting to the college game. Like we have to remember, it's a guy that enrolled, uh, I think, late May uh, after graduation. He's all he was also a basketball guy who was considered a Division One basketball guy. He was a football all year round guy, so he's you know still building his body up, adapting to just the college game and the college lifestyle. And he's getting at least the last game against um, uh, Nebraska. He got a bulk of the carries. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's already trending in that direction. Um, you know, you're not going to give him 50 carries a game at this point in time, but he's everything, you know, is trending towards him being the lead ball carrier. Uh, so, you know, find a way to incorporate him. He's an awesome receiver. Um, you saw a little bit of that. Um, you got guys in that bat for the catch the football. Uh, so take advantage of that. Maybe get your your playmakers the ball close to the line of scrimmage. Make some make some plays in space as well. Yeah, and uh, he actually didn't come to a late June show. So like it, you know, no oh, time exactly. to really was, jump. Okay, yeah. I thought it was okay. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Sam. 
Uh, no, nah, it's all right. It's all right. But like, you can only imagine what'll do, what he'll be like with a full year of uh, strength and conditioning. Just, you know, I really like the not to digress from the topic. Just really like the way he runs, his patience, his vision. Uh, there's certain instincts he has that you just can't teach as a running back, and uh, I think you'll see a heavy dose of him moving forward. But um, you know, we're we're gonna probably be in the situation. I know a lot of people want to say, "Oh, who's gonna be the next guy? This guy?" I, I don't think this thing is gonna move swiftly because of the situation and and other guys and and there's really no need to Sean like there's no need to really let, let's hire a guy right away or try to get a guy right away because you still have a lot of season left and there's still a lot of candidates coaching for other teams most definitely I'm sure you know like every every coach that's you know worth the wait Greg has had a list tucked away in his wallet somewhere wherever his secret stash um, that he's he's pulling out uh, he's got an extensive network of coaches, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if just guys he's been keeping in contact with that he can be a bit more aggressive uh, in in the pursuit uh, and talking to them about this position. And the hope is that I mean, it's, it's a it's a big position, right? You want to get the right guy. But I'm sure that they want to have a guy in place after the season sooner rather than later, uh, especially for the recruiting perspective, uh, you know, because who knows? You look at the depth of the roster. Do they not only bring in a high school guy, do they look at another transfer as well because um, they have to build depth in the quarterback room? Uh, so you want to have that that OC uh, that will probably coach quarterbacks because that's what every you know QB recruit wants to hear about. Um, like we, we see you got all these things. We see you have weapons, but I want to talk to the guy that's going to be coaching me. Uh, I want to talk <clears> to the OC. I want to hear his vision for the offense. Right. And, you know, you mentioned the quarterback situation and, and, you know, 2023 is just not a ton out there. I mean, maybe you could try to flip somebody uh, towards the end or one of these coaching changes occurs. You know, you have a guy back on the market, but, um, you know, transfer portal is always an option to get another guy. Noah Vedral's gone and and you really just have two quarterbacks. So, um, you know, whoever comes in is going to have to try to, you know, get get uh, somebody for next season, somebody, you know, to build that depth. You can't just go in next year with Evan Simon and Gavin Wimsett. And um, there's just a lot there, man, to really, to really sort through, Uh, you know, leading up to signing day, I I think it would, you know, it would make sense for Greg to get a guy, you know, a decent amount of time before it. So he can recruit um, a quarterback for that. And I'm not even talking about, you know, the, the other positions they can come, but you're definitely going to need somebody to, to try to bring somebody in. And, and I guess the market is there. Would you go transfer portal at this point? Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, it's, it's becoming more and more common to, to get a guy from the portal. Uh, QBs want to go where they can play. Uh, and you look at the depth chart uh, starting next year. It'll be it'll be Gavin. Uh, it'll be Simon. And then you the walk ons. And, you know, so you, I think you need to have maybe four guys is typically the ideal number uh, of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So get a transfer uh, and then get a, a 2023 guy. They're really, you know, pushing their chips in the middle of the table for 2024 to get a, a Gavin like guy as well um, with all the, the quality of players they offer that position. But I think you, you definitely need. Uh, a transfer unless they feel highly about the the, the walk-ons i know they you hear uh, gavin rupp's name uh mentioned quite a bit uh, as, as a preferred walk-on uh from berkeley prep that's that's come on and shown well but i think you need a i think you need a transfer in there they need to build some depth because uh, if anything more guys build more competition um and hopefully within one of those four uh the cream can rise to the top there for sure 
Yeah, and you know it's it's uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of months. Uh, you know, people say you cover Rutgers or are you busy all year round. I said I'm always busy. <laughs> Why? Yeah. I said even when they're not playing, we're busy. Like there's always something going on. There's always storylines. So I'm sorry for the fans' sake that it's not more pleasant storylines in terms of winning games. But um, you know, they said this rebuild is going to take time, and and Sean Gleason just wasn't getting the the bricks in order like Greg liked, and um, you know, cut them loose. So. Uh, uh, you know, we, we have a, an interesting road ahead. Um, so, Sean, thank you for jumping on. Is there anything else maybe we didn't touch on or, or any any other uh, part of this whole ordeal that, that, that you want to touch on? Um, you know, I, I think we've kind of said everything we need to say about, about this. But uh, I guess I want to give a, a, a shout out to the Rutgers fan base uh, because we've you know been contacting uh, recruits, hearing good things about the atmosphere for the scarlet out and the recent blackout uh you see some of the videos going on on, on social media and i know that there are some fans that are like well you know they're, they're not winning they're they're heartbroken with the history of the program losing these close games but the the recruits don't seem to worry about that as much um it's a little bit of a part of it but a lot of the guys we spoke to have commented on just the the atmosphere for those events and, the, and they're doing their job uh, so, you know, our, our readers of, of, of ScarletNation.com, those that hopefully will become members soon, you know, you, you guys are doing your job because the, the, the recruits seem to like what's going on there, you know. Uh, I know you probably want to see a better product on the field, but they, they see the potential, they see the bones for what they think Rutgers could be. All right. Well, Sean, thank you. And and thank you for listening. You can catch me or Sean on the roundtable message board uh, on ScarletNation.com. Uh, 24 hours a day. We're around at crazy hours of the night, crazy hours of the day, all hours. So jump on. If you're not a member, join. We have a special now. You get a third off. Um, for Sean Brown, I'm Bobby Darren. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again.